Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Morning and welcome to the Flatline. I'm your host, Rick Hughes, and for the next few minutes, I would like to ask you to stay with me. As usual, we're going to have about 30 minutes of some motivation, some inspiration, some education, and as we always say on this show, no, absolutely no manipulation, no appeals for money, no solicitations, no asking you to join up, fess up, give up, nothing like that. This show is simply about giving you accurate information from the canon of Scripture, the Bible, the Word of God, hopefully that will help you verify and identify the plan of God for your life. If you can do that, you have the freedom and the privacy to orient and adjust to the plan. That's up to you. But my job, as always, is to be accurate, to be on point, to not to mislead you, not to manipulate you, but to give you the facts. That's what this show is about. You know, the name of our show is the Flotline, F-L-O-T, Flot. And we've been airing this show well over 500 Sundays across the United States. Flot stands for the Forward Line of Troops. That's a term my pastor used many years ago due to his military background. And what we're doing is using a military metaphor to describe how the Word of God can act like a main line of resistance and stop the outside sources of adversity before they ever become the inside sources of stress. Remember that adversity is always inevitable, but stress is always optional. Adversity is what circumstances can do to you, and stress, well, that's what you do to yourself. So the Christian life is such a unique life, such an unparalleled life, You can actually live a life without stress, meaning you never have to worry, you never have to be afraid, you never have to have guilt, you never have to have bitterness, you never have to be implacable. These are all traits of the world, and the Christian does not have to live like that. There's a different way for him to live, and it has to do with the filling of the Holy Spirit. It has to do with the metabolization of God's Word in his soul. So when you and I are filled with the Spirit, as per Ephesians 5.18, the mandate, be filled with the Spirit, when that happens, and when we take in the Word of God, learn the Word of God, then we develop a biblical inventory of ideas. We develop divine viewpoint, and we can weigh divine viewpoint as opposed to human viewpoint or what the world would say. And, of course, for the Christian, divine viewpoint would always take precedence. And so taking precedence, you have to understand something. There's only one type of person that's going to enter into the presence of God. There's no diversity here in the plan of God. It's simply faith alone in Christ alone, and it's only one way. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. Those are the words of Jesus Christ. And so we're not going to be letting people into heaven based on race, equality, good works, good deeds, financial health, wealth, power, has nothing to do with it. The only reason you and I would ever walk into the gates of heaven is simply this. We have received Jesus Christ as our Savior, and our name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. 
It has not been blotted out. When you die without accepting Christ as your Savior, your name is blotted out of the Lamb's book of life, and you have died the first death. The second death is casting into the lake of fire in Revelation 20. So we always say either you're going to be born twice or you're going to die twice. The first birth is a physical birth, and the second birth is a spiritual birth. And so when you're born twice, you're made spiritually alive. You're born as a dichotomy. You have a body and you have a soul. But when you believe in Jesus Christ, you become a trichotomy. You have a body, a soul, and a spirit. And even though the body will return to the ground, dust to dust and ashes to ashes, the soul and the spirit will inhabit a new body, a resurrection body, a body much like the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the body that will endure forever and forever. It's a body that will not get sick. It's a body that will suffer no sorrow, no pain. All the old things will be passed away and all things will become new. It is amazing. It is simply amazing. So with that in mind, as we learn about our flight line, as we learn about the invisible problem-solving devices found in the Word of God, we are reviewing that for your uh, advantage. I hope it's for your advantage. Uh, if I were to ask you, sit down and write the 10 problem-solving devices, could you do it? Have you uh, taken advantage of the workbook that we put out free of charge? We'll be glad to send you a workbook on Christian problem-solving. And it does, in fact, have all 10 problem-solving devices listed. Of course, you may remember the first problem-solving device is rebound, and that solves the problem of sin. And the second problem-solving device is the filling of the Holy Spirit. That solves the problem of the genetically formed old sin nature that we have related to Adam, so we don't have to let it control us anymore. The third problem-solving device is the faith rest drill. This is where we can stand on the promises of God in spite of the adversity, in spite of the difficulty, and maintain complete happiness and a complete relaxed mental attitude. And then we have biblical orientation and grace orientation. I think last week I probably went over doctrinal orientation with you, and today I want to go over grace orientation. This is essential that we understand this and we know this. It's a wonderful problem-solving device given by God in the Bible, and it helps us to orient to how God works. You see, grace is often used in the Bible to describe how, in fact, we actually get saved. Because the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should brag about it. And then we also know that not only is there saving grace, but there's living grace. The Bible mandates in 2 Peter 3.18, grow in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Growing in grace simply means that we stay filled with God's Holy Spirit by using rebound when we sin and learn God's Word on a consistent daily basis. These two simple things cause us, and they're not simple, by the way, they are miraculous, I, pr I promise you, because the Word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. So we're not talking about something simple. The filling of the Holy Spirit is not simple. 
Jesus said when he comes, he will lead you into truth. In John 16, he is the author of truth. And so when we meet this requirement, when we are filled with the Spirit, when we do take in God's Word and learn it and use it, then we can begin to understand, in fact, how God treated us. And that, hopefully, will motivate us to treat other people the same way. Remember the simple verse, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What motivated God to give up his only Son, the anointed Savior, Jesus Christ? And it was his love. He died for us because he loved us. And the Bible in 1 John talks about reciprocal love. He loved us, thus we loved him. We reciprocate that love. So the Lord Jesus Christ gave his life as a ransom for us. He was judged in our place. And he can supply our daily needs, whatever needs we have, that is logistical grace. He can give us the logistics in our life every day to survive. This is taught in Matthew 6. You can read it. You don't even have to worry about logistics if you advance in the plan of God as a mature believer. So I hope you're going to learn to use grace when you deal with other people. You can treat them in grace much the same way God treated you in grace. And this takes some doing because the Bible says be kind to one another, tenderhearted and forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake forgave you, Ephesians 4, 30 and 31. There is an enemy of grace, and that enemy is a simple word called legalism. Legalism or spirituality by works, trying to be a spiritual person by something that you do. You know, this is someone who thinks that God is impressed with their good deeds, and as a result, they often become very self-righteous as a result of this lifestyle that they live, this uh, legalistic lifestyle where they think God is impressed. Let's listen to the Bible in Luke 18. Beginning at verse 9, this is the legalistic lifestyle. Also, Jesus spoke a parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they despised others. And then the Lord gives the parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood and prayed with himself and he said, God, I thank you I'm not like other men extortioners, unjust, adulterers, like this tax collector standing over here. You can hear him say that, can't you? Like this tax collector. And then he goes on to try to convince the Lord how righteous he really is. He says, I fast twice a week. I give a tithe of all that I possess. But the tax collector who stood afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but simply beat upon his breast And he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Those are the words of our Savior. And this is so true. We cannot ever allow ourselves to think that we are righteous before God because of the way we live. 
Let's take you, for example. Maybe you think that God is impressed that you don't smoke. Maybe you think God is impressed that you don't partake of alcohol. Maybe you think God is impressed that you don't say a dirty word every now and then, and you never drive over 55 miles an hour, and you would never go around with your shirt unbuttoned. Maybe, I don't know. But those are ridiculous things, aren't they? So what really impresses God? Not your good works. The Bible clearly said it, not by works of righteousness which we have done. That's not how he saved us. So our salvation comes through the gift of God by the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ, his anointed son. And in the spiritual life, once we become a Christian, we must learn to live the spiritual life by grace. That means we have two grace assets. We have the filling of the Holy Spirit, and we have the canon of Scripture, the Bible. I might also add there is another grace asset for you. It's called a pastor-teacher. God equips certain men with a gift of pastor-teachers, so their job is always to study and teach the canon of Scripture to you, to explain the words of God to you so that you can grow in grace. That means that uh, you can use grace in dealing with your other people. The Lord Jesus had enemies during his time on this earth, and they were, in fact, the worst enemies were the legalistic, self-righteous Pharisees. Oh, my gosh. They thought they were something else because they observed the laws of Moses, the rituals of Moses that were passed down. They hated Jesus, and they were eventually responsible for his crucifixion. In John 11:47 and 51, they, the Bible shows how they plotted to have him killed. They had a contract on him, and they hired people to lie about certain things. Legalism is always the enemy of grace, and you cannot afford to get trapped into a vicious lifestyle like this. In other words, if someone tells you, you want to be a good Christian, and you say, well, yeah, sure. Okay, uh, to be a good Christian, you can't go down there and eat at that certain restaurant because, uh, you know, that restaurant uh, serves the wrong kind of people. Or you can't go to that movie. That's not a G-rated movie. Or, or you can't uh, whatever. They're going to put so many stipulations on your life that the only way most of these legalists are impressed is if you sit in a corner and contemplate infinity all day long. Come on can't be a good Christian and do this. You can't be a good Christian and do that. Listen, the Bible doesn't comment on certain things. And this is the way legalism, they try to manipulate you. They try to put you in chains. They try to put you in binders. The legalists would like to control you by demanding that you follow a set of traditions or rules in order to acquire favor from God. The first one is tithing. You know, this is not New Testament giving, tithing. Tithing was an Old Testament way of giving. It was taxation. Everyone in the, in the uh, Jewish nation tithed to support the temple. Everyone did. Ten percent, everyone did. And in the New Testament, we are mandated to give as God has blessed us because God loves well-motivated believers. So if you think for one minute 
that God is going to show favor to you in your business because you tithe 10% of your income? Who are you kidding? Are you trying to manipulate God? Are you trying to manipulate God to let you get more business and, and win the lottery, so to say, because you tithe? Now, there's no doubt many churches, the first thing that happens when you join up is they put a tithing package in your hand. They expect you to tithe. And if you don't, some will even come knocking on the door, want to know what's wrong with you. We've got to have some money. That's not the way the church is supposed to operate. Simply put, if God's in it, God will pay for it. And so if any ministry or any man has to hustle up the money, go out and ask people for money, request money, or sell items to raise money, that's not the grace way of doing things. If God's in it, God will pay for it. Simply do your job as under the Lord in the financial end of things, and he'll supply the daily needs. But on the other hand, a Christian who is grace-oriented, he's not going to judge another person, nor is he going to criticize another person when he fails. This grace-oriented Christian would always mind his own business and always take care of his own spiritual life. He doesn't have a long nose. As a matter of fact, he's warned in Matthew 7, keep your nose out of other people's business. Grace-oriented believers don't judge people. Do not judge, Matthew 7 says, because with what measure you measure, it will be measured back to you again. The legalist will judge you. He will think you're not a very good Christian. I saw you in the liquor store. I saw you buy a beer. You must not be a spiritual Christian. I saw you do this, or I saw... And they can't wait to tell somebody. Guess what I saw so-and-so doing? And now we're gossiping and maligning and judging. And more than a few people have been run out of local churches where the legalist in the church can't keep their nose out of other people's business. The grace-oriented pastor, he's not going to make an issue out of money. He's not going to ask people for money because he knows that God promised to supply all of his needs. And if the money is not there, then it's obviously an indication that God is not pleased. So why would you ask man for something that God has already promised to give you? That doesn't make sense. Why ask man for something that God has already promised to give you? I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but you've never heard me ask you for money. You've never heard me solicit money. And yet God provides the money to pay for the broadcast of this show. That's grace. And when he doesn't pay for it, then it's time for me to get off the air and quit broadcasting. And so if there's something going on in the church and we're having to ask people for money or solicit money or go around and knock on doors to get money, God's not in it, people, I'm telling you. That's not grace. Grace is teach God's word, stay out of God's way, and he'll pay for it. We have to remember that. We have to live by that. We have to know that. The Lord Jesus Christ gave us saving grace. Yes. There is saving grace. There is living grace. 
There is logistical grace. There is dying grace. There is eternal grace, surpassing grace. That's when we surpass the plan of God forever and eternity. And in eternity, the grace of God provides all of our needs, every one of those needs. And so it's always amazing when we talk about grace, how many people really don't understand grace orientation. Grace orientation. What an amazing thing. It simply means you begin to live and experience God's grace every day in your life by learning his word, staying filled with the Spirit, and this gives you the ability not to judge other people, but even to treat other people in grace. What if someone does something to you? What if someone wrongs you? What if someone doesn't repay the money they borrowed from you? How do you handle it? Do you seek revenge or do you grace them out? Do you forgive them even as God forgave you? You see, when you have grace, you don't worry about your needs. God promised to supply them. You treat people in grace. You live by grace, and you don't expect them to do the same thing in return. They're not going to do it. They don't have grace orientation. Many people are not going to understand an attitude like this. And the reason is they never come to understand truth. Saving grace is what you experience when you believe in Christ. Living grace is what God supplies for you each and every day. The military term is logistics. God gives you your logistics. He supplies all of your needs. And in dying grace, as taught in Job 5, 19 through 27, simply means that God will not call you home too early. He's not going to call you until you are ready. And then when you are ready, the transfer from time to eternity will be marvelous. It will not be painful. It will not be horrific. It will be a wonderful, wonderful. It's like taking a trip when you were young and you're, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? When that time comes, you will cross over and you will see the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be face to face and there will be no more tears and no more sorrow. This is the promise for those Christians who know Jesus Christ as their Savior, and if they are mature believers, if they have learned God's Word, God promises to protect you from death so that you will not die until you are brought to full age before He brings you to heaven. Now, you can short-circuit your life. You can die the sin unto death. We've mentioned that before. In John 5 talks about it, and 1 Corinthians 5 talks about it. And the Bible says we've given, we've respected our earthly fathers that disciplined us. How much more shall we not respect God and live? Proverbs 15. Let the believer can go out early by being rebellious, getting into sin, not rebounding his sin, ignoring the discipline of God, and eventually moving under the sin unto death. Yes, he goes to heaven. Yes, he has eternal life. But he does not live a full life. You want to live a full life? It starts when you're young by learning an orientation to authority of your parents. In Ephesians chapter 6, honor your father and mother. Obey your parents, the Bible says. This is the first mandate with a promise, the Bible says, that you may live a long time.
Authority orientation is how you live a long time. So if you are a mature believer, advancing in plan of God, what do I mean? I mean you're staying filled with God's Holy Spirit and you're listening to a qualified pastor teach you the Bible on a consistent basis, not you teaching yourself by reading some daily devotion. Oh, that's not what I'm talking about. If this is you and you're growing, you're advancing, then you will not be plucked by God until you are ready to go. That's the promise of Job 5.19. So if you learn this truth about grace orientation, and if you apply this truth into your life, then you can have some phenomenal joy as a Christian because you're never going to be disappointed. You're never going to be bitter. You're never going to have to seek revenge. You're never going to have to be implacable about people because your old sin nature will be subdued by the filling of the Holy Spirit. And Satan will not be able to infect your thinking and get you into revenge motivation because you have grace. You see, you will have great living. If you find the Christian life to be miserable, something's wrong with you. You're out of fellowship. You will allow Satan to have an advantage over you if you stay out of fellowship. And he will always exploit the advantage until he discourages you, until you get disillusioned with your Christian life. And eventually you won't rebound. Eventually you'll wind up failing the grace of God, Hebrews 12, 15. That doesn't mean you're not going to heaven, but that means you've been out of fellowship so long that you don't see the plan of God working anymore in your life, and you think maybe God forgot about you. He has not forgotten about you. He knows where you are right now, this moment, as you listen to me. I have no idea who you are. I have no idea where you are, but I know this, that God knows you. He knows your name. He knows where you live. He knows your needs, and he knows if you are trusting him. If you are growing, he knows. Are you? Are you advancing in the plan of God? Have you made an effort to get under a well-qualified pastor and begin to learn God's word on a daily basis? Even if there's not one in your community or your neighborhood, you can take advantage of tapes. You can take advantage of DVDs, MP3s. These are available free of charge from men that I know to be well-qualified pastors. And you can sit at home, even in the privacy of your own home, around your own desk, and turn on the tape player, turn on the DVD player, get out your Bible, get out a notebook, and listen to the Bible being taught. My pastor is currently in the life of Christ, over 700 hours in the life of Christ. And we took a little break and did 100-plus hours in the book of Jude. Men are out there teaching if you want to be fed. If you don't want to be fed, if you love living on snacks, then you'll keep enjoying your little daily devotions. But I hope someday you're going to get hungry, hungry to learn God's Word, and hungry to find somebody that will feed it to you and teach it to you. Until next week, this is your host, Rick Hughes, saying thank you for listening to The Flatline. Thank you for listening to The Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 
888-345-3504 or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.